You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. This is a sermon from our series, A Better Way. If you would like to find out more information about our church, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. So for the next couple, three weeks, we're going to do a little bit different. We're kind of taking a pause out of our series on biblical sexuality. We've called it A Better Way. We're going to come back to it. We only have two more weeks in it. Um, and uh, we'll cover parenting and we'll cover some other things. Uh, that'll start in November. But for the next three weeks, we're, we're, we're going to be doing a little bit different every week. Uh, for the past year, I've been kind of encouraging you, challenging you a little bit, directing you that we are called to be the church. Now, we live in the South where people go to church. Right? But, but that's not what we're talking about. So Jesus did not leave the glories of heaven, take on humanity, uh, be born to a, uh, a, a virgin and a, an obscure carpenter in Nazareth, live this perfect sinless life, and then die as a substitute in our place for our sins, rise again. He didn't leave his spirit here so that y'all and me could just gather one time a week, sit in very comfortable chairs considering the past of pews and things like that, right? And, you know, sing a couple songs and go on our merry little way. That is not why Jesus came, right? There's a, there's a reason, there's a purpose. He wants us to be his church, right? And we looked at Ephesians 4 a couple weeks ago that he descended into the center of the earth. He, basically, he went into the ground. He died and he rose. And when he rose, he gave gifts to men and women, right, to equip the church for the work of ministry. So what we talk about as we gather... We have three words, gather, grow, go. We gather to be equipped. We're going to open the scriptures. We're going to encourage you. We're going to challenge you. And then it's your job to then grow in your faith. It is not God's will for you to stay a baby Christian, right? No one wants a permanent six-month-old baby in their house. I can promise you. I've had four, or my wife did. You just don't want it. You don't want to change diapers. You don't want crying in the middle of the night. You don't want spoon feeding. You're to grow in your faith. That is, that is God's will for you. So we will equip your, your job is to grow by the work of the Spirit, and then you go and do the work of ministry. That's what, that's what we're about. Gather, grow, and go. And so what we're going to talk about in the next couple of weeks, just three different little quick aspects of, of what does it look like to be the church. So next week, next Sunday, the 21st, Beulah Baptist is coming, and Brother Lee is going to preach. And, and here's what we're going to celebrate next week. We're going to celebrate the oneness of the church. That God has, in Ephesians chapter 3, he talks about how the dividing wall of barrier between Jew and Gentile was busted up, right? In our culture, there's, there's a, a divide often amongst the races in church, right? And, and so Sunday is still very segregated as far as church. And so what, what uh, Lee is going to come, they're going to bring Beulah Baptist, or predominantly African-American church. He's going to speak next Sunday, and we're kind of partnering with him in some things. They're bringing their choir. So some of y'all are going to have to learn within seven days how to clap. Like, okay, and how to move a little bit, right, you know? Like, so you're going to have to learn that. Your feet are allowed to move in church, and, and you're going to have to learn to talk to the preacher. Because what, what's going to happen is Lee's going to say something, and it's going to be true, and he's just going to be waiting. And if you're just like, yeah, what's next? If you don't kind of talk to him and say, yeah, that's right, brother. If you don't tell him, he's going to stop, and it's going to be quiet for like 40 minutes. So, so y'all need to get used to that. So we've, we're, we're bringing them over next week. I'm pumped. Uh, I, he's going to preach a great, a great sermon. I know what he's going to preach. I'm not going to tell you what it is because then you won't come. Uh, so that's next Sunday. Uh, so we're excited about that. And they're going to kind of lead us. And then what we're going to do is at the end of the service, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. 
right? And so some of our men and women are going to hand out the elements to their men and women, right? And then together we'll take as one body, different local churches, but one body uh, we'll take together as a symbol of our unity in Christ. So that's, that's next week. The week after that, we're celebrating baptism. You know how we do baptism. We play loud music. We celebrate gospel transformation. People who are coming to faith in Jesus, people who are obeying Jesus and getting into the waters of baptism. And, and that's part of being the church is, is transformation. It's people coming to faith. So we'll do that in two weeks. Today, I want to talk about one thing. All right? An important idea, an important word, and it's, it's the perp, one of the purposes, not the purpose, it's, the, it's one of the purposes of God has us as a church here, right? One of the reasons he left us here, he could have just taken us up to heaven, right, once we got saved, but he didn't. He left us here. And, and that word, that idea is influence. It's impact, right? Not the kind of influence that gets us on the Simpsons episodes. That's all I'm talking about. What does Jesus intend for us to be what does he call us to? We're going to look briefly at that in, in Matthew chapter 5. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 5. And I'm going to speak briefly and we're going to have kind of Tom come up a little bit different this week. Um, if you know anything about the scripture, maybe you're new to it, Matthew 5 through 7 is what is called the Sermon on the Mount, probably the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus. And, and here's what you need to know about it. He doesn't, he doesn't start off with a bunch of do's and don'ts. and just, he, he takes his disciples, in fact, Matthew 5, 1 says, he sees the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. This is a sermon where there's thousands of people around, but it's aimed at who? His disciples, right? And that's important, because he's going to teach his disciples, these 12 men, and then the ladies that are gathering with him, and then some of the other ones that are kind of following along, he's going to tell them what it means to be one of his followers, and everyone's invited to listen to it, but it's directed at his followers. And he's not going to start with a bunch of do's and don'ts, don't this, don't do that, a bunch of rules. He's going to start with how he wants them to be. Because he, if he knows if they are who they need to be, then the, the do's and don'ts will come. And he starts with these things called the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit and the meek and the humble and all these things. And he talks about that with them. And then he jumps into two metaphors that I want to zoom in on today. Two metaphors uh, they call the similitudes by some, I don't know why, it's a fancy word theologians make up so that you guys get confused, whatever. But he's going to give two metaphors that he's going to show us what we need to be like. And here's the first one in chapter 5, verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. And let's just stop right there. Okay, you, and, and the, the text in the Greek text is super emphatic. It doesn't come across in English because we kind of make it, you know. But in the Greek text, it's like bold letters, right? The reader can't miss it. It literally says, you, you are the salt of the earth. It's like today we'd highlight it, right? With a little yellow highlighter. Maybe, you know, you're, you're a millennial. You put an emoji by it. You, emoji, right? Whatever. But it's going to draw attention to, this is big. You are the salt of the earth. And, and, and what I want you to just think about is this. Who's he talking to? A bunch of nobodies. Fishermen, tax collectors, uneducated, blue-collar dudes that he picked. Young, most of them probably young. Young dudes. 16, 19, 21. See, we have a tendency in the church sometimes to think, who am I? I'm just an average dude in middle management. Went to Georgia Southern, barely got out with a 2.1, hallelujah. Right? Straight C student, C for complete. Right? And we just think, yeah, I'm nobody. I mean, I'm not an expert, I'm, not, I'm just whatever, or I'm just, I'm just a SCAD student, or I'm just a high school dude over at Savannah Arts Academy. 
And what Jesus is saying, yes, you are. And it's you I'm talking to. You and you alone, Mr. 2.1, Georgia Southern, you got the diploma, congratulations. You are the salt of the earth. And notice the tense. It's not, it's not future tense. You will be the salt of the earth. It's just not what your potential will be if you go through these classes and, and if you get educated. It's no, it's right now. You right now are the salt of the earth. Right now. Right? Right now, you 12 men, and by way of application, you, CBC, everyone who's gathered, follower of Jesus, you are the salt. Now, we have to unpack that metaphor, right? Because if you miss the point of the metaphor, you miss the point of the passage. So you can read all the commentaries, and it's like 75 different reasons. Oh, well, what is salt like? What is salt used for, right? Okay, and salt was used in their culture like, like ours, many different reasons. Someone said, oh, okay, salt's white, so that represents purity. The church is supposed to be pure. That is true. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. Salt causes people to be thirsty, right? right so, you know, you go, to the, you go to the movie theater tonight, you go see your some movie, you get yourself an $18 popcorn, and what happens? You have to buy a $37 Coke because <laughs> you're thirsty now. And then you got to get Milk Duds to balance out because that's the perfect combo, Milk Duds, Coke, and popcorn. That is a meal, right? Well, what? Is it salt? Does salt make you thirsty? Yes. I don't think that's necessarily his idea. It is true. Does salt heal? Yes, it heals. You get into the ocean, you get a little cut, starts healing. Uh, salt in those days was used as, a, as money. That's why we say uh, he's not worth his salt, right? Because it was a commodity. But, but there is two ideas that are, are still, still common today, uh, and, and they were common in that day, that I think Jesus is illustrating for us, for you, right now. The first is this. Salt is used to preserve things. So I was in Africa a couple years ago, and I'm walking through the market, and, you know, it's basically the, the, the meat section, which is like a piece of meat hanging from a, a hook, uh, and there's flies all over it, and I'm thinking, I'm not eating that. But there's, what do they do? They put salt on it. Why? Because they don't have Whirlpool in Bombaya, Africa, right? They, they, they don't have the, you know, refrigeration and all these things, and so neither did they in Jesus' culture. So what they do, they would salt things to preserve it so that it would not rot and the idea is this, the world is like a big piece of rotten meat. It is broken, it's got hurricanes, it's got sin. And if you read the scripture, it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse until Jesus comes back. But here is the responsibility and the job and the calling and the command of the church, is that we are called to be preserving it. That we're to slow the rot. You can't stop the rot, but you can slow it down. Just like salt slows the meat. That is what Jesus has called us to do. And how do we do it? Here's how we don't do it. We don't try to get all political. I know some of y'all think that the, the savior of the world is one or more of the political parties. I know because I see you on Facebook and I block you. Okay? But, but the idea that, that the politicians are going to solve the problem of the rot, it's, it's a mistaken hope. Right? It's, that's not how it works. It's not, look, I'm all for the Big Ten, the Big Ten Commandments, right? Love them. Think they're great. Putting them in school is not the solution to the rottenness of our world. Right? This is not. Right? You can go watch the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. You can see them right there. It, it's not solving Hollywood's problem. Right? It's, it's not by hiding in a holy huddle. Oh, no, the world's so bad. Let's go to church and hide. It's not that. The way Jesus has designed the church to be salt is to, to, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> is to get you out there. Is to start preserving your office, 
You're the Christian who's going to slow the rot. Your, your college classroom, you're the Christian, your team, you're the one who's going to slow the brokenness. And it's not the, the mega Christian, it's not the Billy Grahams, it's not the seminary professors, it's you and you alone, right? That's the idea. You're slowing the rot. That is your calling. And it could be as simple as just as going and visiting someone who's super lonely and just needs a friend. It could be... It could be giving a ride to this, this high schooler to work because he's walking three miles to his job because his parents don't have a car. It could be you as the employer treating your employees as someone made in the image of God with value and respect and dignity not to serve you. It could be you a teenager who's going to reject the hookup, tender, party culture that you're thrown into and say, no, I'm going to be distinct. When that conversation turns sour and it's it's slandering that person or it's talking about that person in an ungodly way, that you're not going to be a part of that. It's, it's just slowing the rot. It's being a blessing. This is what God calls us to do. This is what he did in the Old Testament. He has the people of Israel in captivity in Babylon. Here's what he tells them to do. He says, build houses, live in them. Plant gardens, eat their produce. Take wives, sons, go down. He says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you. They're in Babylon. The enemy. He says, seek their welfare. I've sent you to that exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. Pray for Babylon, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. You are in exile here if you're a follower of Jesus. This is not your permanent deal. He says, but you are to be a blessing while you are here, wherever you are. And you're to slow the rot. Second thing is this. You're to be a season. Salt was a season then, it's a season now, right? A little salt adds some kick, some pop. Right? So I like, the, I like the grill, and so my grilling mentor is bobbyflay.com, right? And so Bobby Flay says, if you're going to do burgers, don't go buy all those rubs and all these other things. And he's an expert, right? It's Bobby Flay. You can't even beat Bobby Flay, right? But, but he says a little salt, a little pepper, that's a burger, right? That's a burger. A little salt, and it makes all the difference. And the idea is when a, when a believer is in the mix, you notice it. You can, you, can, you can notice it, not because he's carrying his 28-pound King James study Bible, not because he's obnoxious, not because he says prayers before he drinks his coffee, Lord bless his coffee, amen, not because of any of those things, just because he's distinct. He's distinct. And here's the implication I want you to get. He says, you are the salt of the earth, right? You, the, the implication is Jesus wants his followers in the mix. Salt is no good if it stays in the shaker, right? It's supposed to be out there. That's how it works. That's how it seasons. That's how it preserves. And here's another problem we see in the church is the church loves to salt the salt, right? We'll salt each other and, and just keep salting the church. No, no, we're not supposed to salt the church. We're supposed to salt the earth. What happens when you have too much salt in one place? It's called the Dead Sea. You can't eat it. It's too salty. That's what, but that's what churches do. When we lose our vision of what God has called us to, we hide, oh, and we, talk, we just keep here, and we don't get out into the mix. And that's the problem, right? That is the problem. And that's, that's one of the problems. That's why he says, if salt has lost its taste, how shall, be salt, how shall its saltiness be restored? There's a problem sometimes with salt losing its saltiness. And I know for you chemistry majors in the house, you're like, well, Bill, technically sodium chloride is a stable compound and cannot lose its saltiness. And you're a nerd. The, all right? I get it. But here's what you don't know. In that day, they didn't have pure salt like we do. 
It is true. Salt is, is stable, so it doesn't lose its saltiness. But their salt came from a, the Dead Sea. And so they'd have these mixed compounds where the saltiness would eventually seep out because of moisture and because if it was corrupt, it wasn't pure. And so when that would happen, you'd have this, this pile of rock that looked like salt, but it wasn't salty. And so the only thing it was good for now was to take it and throw and fill potholes, which is why he says it's not good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet, right? Put it in the road. We can use it for that. And the church has the potential to lose its saltiness, y'all. But many reasons. I can't even go, I don't even have time, but I'll only give you a couple. Number one, consumerist. If we're a consumeristic church, what do you have for me? I don't like the sermon. I don't like the music. I don't like this. Why don't they do this? I don't like the coffee. When you come here like this is an ecclesiological buffet, you will lose your saltiness. When you compromise in your life spiritually. Yeah, I don't really like that sermon. Bill's been talking about sex and blah, blah, blah. I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him. You don't have to agree with me, right? You don't agree with me on sports right? No one agrees with me in sports. If you did, you'd be, you, you would be, I, I haven't heard any Georgia fans today come up to me. I'm sorry. It's just, you know, I'm just saying, no, no Braves fans come and talk to me today. I don't know what's going on, right? You don't have to agree with me, but when the scripture says, and we're like, and people start saying, well, I don't agree with that. I don't really know if I like that. That's compromise. You lose your saltiness. You lose your effectiveness when you're not in community, right? When there's an overemphasis on knowledge, and I listen to 50 sermons a week, and I read 10 books a week, but there's no obedience, salty, you're losing your saltiness. You may have all the facts, but you're losing your saltiness, right? And so he says, it's good for nothing. That's why we have churches all over America that are having no impact. They got great buildings. Spirit is gone. So we got to ask questions constantly. You have to. We, where am I not salty? Where am I like the rest of the world? The way I view money? The way I view relationships? What I put in my mind? Where am I not obeying that I know I need to be? Where am I not stepping out in faith that I know God is leading me? You gotta const- we got to constantly be asking those questions because we don't want to lose our saltiness. He's not talking about losing salvation, but you can lose your effectiveness, right? That's the first metaphor. Real quick, the second metaphor, he says, you are the light of the world. Same idea. You and you alone are the light of the world, right? And what does light do? It dispels darkness. Even the littlest light. I can take this little phone out at night it's dark in my house. I don't even have to put the flashlight on. I just hit the screen. I can see where the Legos on the floor are so I don't get hurt, right? I can see where the clothes, I, I can work my way through. Why? Just a little light dispels darkness. And what the idea is, again, you are to be that little light dispelling darkness, right? Giving clarity and direction, right? That's, that's the idea. And he, and he goes and says, a city located on a hill cannot be hidden. He's talking ultimately about Jerusalem, which was on a hill, right? You walk up to Jerusalem and you can't miss it. It's this big city. So you can't hide that. You shouldn't be able to hide a Christian. You can't put a light under a basket, but on a lampstand. Why? So that gives light to all in the house. And then here's the command. In the same way, if you have your Bible, you got to circle that. Just like a lamp, just like a city, let your light shine. And he uses a, a third person imperative, and that's a little Greek you know, nonsense for you. But the idea is not, it's not you shine. It's not second person, you shine. It's no, uh, allow your light to shine. Why? Because it's not ultimately your light. It's God's light in you. God chose you. God redeemed you. God opened your mind to the gospel. Now, let that light shine through you, not so you think you're great or people think you're great or people think your church is great, so that they see what? Your Father in heaven. He's not talking about practicing your righteousness before men. 
A lot of us could say, look how much I give, look how much I read, look how... That's not what he's talking about. It's God has shined on you, we sang it earlier, now you let the, the Spirit of God live through you so that people say, there is something distinct about that guy. Not weird. I don't, weird Christians bug me. Like they just do. I'm not talking about weird. And I'm kind of all weird because we're different. But I mean, you're, we're distinct, but not weird. Jesus wasn't weird. The disciples weren't weird. They were distinct. You're seeking the best for people. So you have a roommate who's agnostic, who's atheist, who's opposed to the gospel. You're still kind. Right? You, uh, you're showing gentleness and patience. When the ref blows a call, here's a big one for me. The ref blows a call that I am self-controlled. Right? It's hard. Right? When, when this person lets their dog take a dump in your yard, let's be honest, that you still respond with love. You don't throw it back in his yard. <laughs> right? You're the one who forgives. You're the one who is kind. You're the one who is gentle. You're the one who is faithful. Why? Because these are the fruit of the Spirit. These are the fruit of the Spirit. This is Christ in you. That's, that dispels darkness. That slows the rot. That is the call of the church. And if we're not doing that, then we are a failure as a church. Because what I'm trying to ask ourselves constantly is, if CBC did not exist these last 11 and a half years, what would the difference be in Savannah? Really? We've got to ask that question, y'all. Because we're not just gathering for 60 minutes on a Sunday. Think about Gulfstream. We probably have 40 or 50 employees that work at Gulfstream, at least. If CBC didn't exist, what would it be like over at Gulfstream? Are y'all preserving a little bit? SCAD, we got 100 plus SCAD students. Is there a little bit more preservation and light because of y'all? That's what we got to ask. Armstrong, rest in peace, Georgia Southern... Same, right, whatever, right? Sorry, pirates, you're now eagles. Right? Uh, Savannah Arts Academy. Savannah Christian. Right? These places, you're, Mayfair, Wilmington Island, the YMCA in which you work out, whatever. Is there a little preservation because you're there? Because we're there as a church. Is South Garden's neighborhood better because of... We've got to ask that question because if it's not, then we might as well close the door and go join a church that God is moving in. Right? And so the idea of today is this. Jesus said, you're my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And what he does there, if you know geography, he works from where they're at and he works out. Jerusalem, Judea is right there. Samaria is the next part out. Ends of the earth is the next part out. Our Jerusalem, Judea is Savannah, Rinkin, Pooler. That's what we want to see an impact. We want to see an impact to ends of the earth. But it's easy to stoke a check. It really is. So we want to start here and work out. And what we're, what we're doing today is just sharing some ministries that are here, that our church supports financially, that we send several thousand dollars. When you give here, th these, these, these folks benefit. Several thousands of dollars go to these ministries, and we want you to be exposed to them. We want you to see them. Why? So that you can say, hey, that's something I'm passionate about. I might be able to help there. I, they need drivers. I'm a driver. I'm a nurse. I need to go over here. Whatever it is. And we got 12 of them outside, or 13. We just want you to see them, because it's part of what we're doing. CBC is not the only thing God is doing in Savannah, Georgia. His spirit is moving all over. And so what our, our philosophy is, keep things super lean here, which I know frustrates some of y'all. We're like, we need more of this. No, we don't, because what we want you to do is do, the, do what we need here. And then if there's things that you're passionate about out there, it's adoption, it's, it's, it's nursing homes, it's, then you go do that so that you don't feel guilty while I'm blowing off my church because I'm out here. No, we want you where you're passionate, gifted. 
where you have resources, where you have, where you have maybe some insight and influence. And so we're going to kind of expose you guys to just some things that God is doing that we've partnered with and that are, we're seeing the Spirit of God move. We just want to identify where is it God is moving, and we want to get behind that. And that's what we've done. And we want you to as well. So uh, I'm going to ask you guys to come on up. Tom, our pastor of missions and outreach, is going to share with you guys briefly and just let you hear from them of where God's moving in our Jerusalem. And we'll keep seeing that. I'm excited just to be able to be up here this morning and for you all to hear just for a moment. What God is doing, as Bill says, as we are called to be salt and light. These folks are salty. They let their light shine in a good way. Um, so we got Paula Kennard with Thrive Savannah, who's gonna share what she's doing. Jay Thompson, many of you know with the Excel strategies, and, and Heidi Lutman with the Sunshine Girls. When I started, the first week I was back here, we'd been away for a few years, and somebody called me in an email and said, hey, do you wanna meet with the Sunshine Girls? I'm like, I don't know. Nobody has ever asked me that question before. and I have no idea what it means to be a sunshine girl. I do now. And you do too, because it's light. So we're going to hear just who they are, a little bit about what God's doing, and perhaps how you can pray or get involved. Then we'll share who else is outside and just worship the God who calls us in to his work. So Paul, why don't we start with you and just share briefly the mission of Thrive Savannah. Yes. Thank you, thank you to this church body. You guys have been an amazing blessing. Um, Thrive Express Savannah is a medical pregnancy center just a couple of blocks over between 71st and 70th on Frederick. And we are directly across the street from Planned Parenthood. Um, we are the antidote to Planned Parenthood. If you put Planned Parenthood in your GPS, it'll bring you to our front door. And um, our signage is a little bit better than theirs. So um, we, we've had quite a few miracles because of that location. Um, I do want to say thank you. The elders here did the renovation on our center, and it's very princessy, very bright and light, and um, shiny lights and glitter light plates and all that goes with it. Um, they thought I was a little off at first, but they, the end result, they totally understand with our colors. When a young woman comes to see us, we offer, at no cost, pregnancy testing, ultrasounds, and STD testing and treatment. And I forgot to mention in the earlier service, um, one of the things we feel very strongly about is post-abortion counseling. Um, I chose abortion early in my life, and it's one of those decisions that if I could rewind and redo, I would. I had no idea the impact at the time. So. We do not come in judgment, condemnation. We have all of that in common, that we want the people that we deal with, the young ladies that we see, to know how valuable they are. So that's our prince's theme. It opens the door for many conversations when they start talking about how much they love our center. And we can say, well, we did this for you. You know, you are a daughter of the king. That's what a princess is. And we've actually had tears in the lobby as, as she's signing in when God starts touching her heart because so many of our young people have been devalued to a place that, that we can't even comprehend. Um, we, we really have seen so many miracles. It, is, it has been astounding um, the, the way God has heard our cry. We, we do reach out to the abortion-minded woman. 
and um, we really try to keep our statistics straight. And it's like 40 babies have been saved um, that, you know, since we've opened our doors that we know about. And we try to keep following up. Some of our girls go dark on us. Um, others keep in touch maybe a little too frequently. Um, but, but it really is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, this morning I wanted to tell you when after Bill's message, I, I realized um, one of the horrors of abortion is with every child who loses his or her life in that process, um, there's an inheritance that Jesus Christ had through that child and his glory through that child um, has also been snuffed out. The latest statistics that we have that are reported are from 2016 and in the state of Georgia, 29,551 abortions were reported, 29,000. And 62% of those um, were on black babies. So if you find those figures disturbing like I do, um, we can put some boots on the ground with a way to reach out with hope, the love of Christ. And I will say that each young woman who comes to us um, we ask permission to talk about her spiritual health. And in that, we have a, a gospel presentation on our iPads where she sees beautiful pictures as she reads the scripture um, screen by screen. And in the end, we ask her if she would like to pray the prayer to have Jesus become her Lord and, and to forgive her sins. So it, it really is an amazing place for the physical lives that are saved, and I'll tell you, we have been astounded at the number of eternal lives that the Lord has delivered to us. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Paula. Thank you, for t thank you, Tom. My name is Jay Thompson. I'm the founder and CEO of Excel Strategies. We're a mentoring network founded here in Savannah and we mentor young men ages 15 to 25, and majority of these young men have lost parental oversight, they've lost parents, through death, divorce, abuse, incarceration, or neglect. And uh, I wanna thank the church body here at CBC because two years ago you launched me and Excel full-time into the community. So we're really excited about that, so thank y'all. Um, Excel believes that all young men are dreamers and builders, okay? I want you to think about what that means. All young men have dreams that they would like, like to accomplish, they aspire to. Like dreams like uh, just owning their own home, right? Having a family. A lot of these young men, they've never been a part of a family that's loved them and nurtured them and cared for them and provided for them. But they want that, they dream for that. Um, a lot of these young men are dreaming to uh, maybe go, go play professional sports. And by all means, I'm the biggest fan, right? Uh, for some, uh, some future tickets, right? But we're working with young men so that they will find success in those dreams, okay? And then secondly, all young men are builders. Think about that. I mean, they're making major life decisions between ages 15 to 25, and this is our target audience. And so they're thinking about building a family one day. They're thinking about building a, a business a company, uh, something that adds value back into the community. They want to build their own home. Uh, they they want to own a car one day. They want to be welders, mechanics. They want to be carpenters. Um, so they want to be truck drivers, right? So I want you to think about uh, 
A life that is not fueled with purpose, a life that is not fueled with purpose uh, can become destructive, can become a liability in the community. And I want you to know that Excel exists to fuel young men with purpose as we build this mentoring community. This is a community that, uh, of, of men that love Jesus, they love their families, and they work hard. They're investing one hour a month into the lives of these young men. But this is a community that is fueling young men with purpose, right? To, uh, to find success in their dreams. And this is a, a very constructive uh, a, a way about mentoring. These are young men that, that want to add value back into the community. And they want to be assets into the community. That's what we're doing. We're building a, a community of mentors to invest in lives of these young men to find success. Good morning, my name is Heidi Lutman and I run the Sunshine Girls. The Sunshine Girls is a local outreach ministry to women who work in the adult entertainment industry, specifically the local strip clubs. So every Thursday night, we have four teams that go into the local clubs. And as Bill reminded us, we are to be the salt. And uh, I, I believe we really get to do that because we take in a home cooked meal very seasoned um, with salt and with lots of love. So um, we truly have seen God's favor um, in being in every one of the local clubs through the past seven and a half years. Just the fact that we get to walk into the clubs and the owners knowing who we are, what we are about is just a true blessing. Um, it's just really funny, a couple of clubs we walk into, the DJs will stop and they'll say, oh, the church ladies are here, and we're like, yes, we are. Um, and it's just a true blessing to be able to take Bibles into the, to the dressing room and give to the girls for their birthdays, and we look for any reason to celebrate, um, whether it's baby showers or walking alongside of them through um, life's hard um, lessons of funerals and just um, of bad decisions and you know we're all just one bad decision away of a huge life change. The majority of the girls get into the business um, for two weeks to maybe pay a bill and then just see how easy it is to make thousands of dollars a night in cash and it just becomes bondage um, and we are there to walk alongside of the girls and just let them know that they are valued and that somebody sees them for more than just um, a dance um, and for dollar bills. So we, we see the dressing rooms become holy ground on Thursday nights when we get to circle up and pray with the girls, um, pray in, in expectancy of watching God change their lives and just knowing that there's nowhere in a strip club that you can go that you're not being watched by a camera. And just the fact that they allow us to hold hands with the girls and the girls to give us their prayer request. And, and ministry happens on Thursday nights, but true ministry happens throughout the week when we meet them for coffee and play dates with their children. So we really are the party ministry because we throw parties every Thursday night. We look for any reason to celebrate the girls and just to let them know that they're valued. And like Paula said, they are daughters of the, of the Most High King. And, and you know, not, not one of those girls said when they were little, you know, I wanna grow up and I wanna take my clothes off 
for money and be degraded by man, not one of them. And every one of those girls were somebody's little girl, somebody's dream. Um, so we find success in the fact that we are consistently allowed to walk into those clubs every Thursday night when no, there should be no reason we should be able to do that but God. So we give him all the glory for that. So, yeah. Amen. Thanks, Heidi. So as you think about what God is doing, uh, share just briefly, but maybe specifically, um, how have you seen God work? How are we seeing transformation through, through your ministries? Anybody that's been to Thrive um, just really stands in awe uh, because what we, you know, I say we have a front row seat to miracles just about every day. And so he's, he's got us set up to know that it is him that it is his presence um, and, and his spirit's power. And, you know, we say that we believe in prayer, but I'll say, guys, the power of prayer is something that it, we can't even really describe. Um, we're in the middle of a 40 Days for Life campaign right now, and that's just praying on the sidewalk in front of the abortion clinic. Um, there are vigils from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Lynette went down Thursday morning to the front of the abortion clinic. We really were hoping they'd be closed um, because of all of the businesses canceling Thursday because of the storm and schools being closed and so forth. But she called me and said, oh no, they're open, the girls are coming. So the, the moment I drove up to 34th Street, she introduced me to a young woman that she had started a conversation with as she ran back to her point to, to try to reach out to another. And um, that young woman was, was just so distraught. She had an appointment for an abortion. We found out later she lives in Brunswick. She had not told anyone that she was aborting that day. She had left work, working all night in a lab. She was driving up to get rid of this pregnancy and to go back home to pretend that all was well. And I will tell you, as one who did that, there, there are many women who do that. Um, this one uh, accepted my invitation to go to breakfast. And um, one, one of my strategies in my desperation has been to try to get the girls to eat something. If they're going into the abortion clinic, they're supposed to be fasting. So I told her earlier, if you, if you find out about the lady on the street in front of the abortion clinic with donuts, it's true. I have gone to Baker's Pride and then shown up with napkins and donuts because if she'll eat a donut, they can't do the abortion that day. So as we're praying, we're buying time, but this young lady was thinking about going to Thrive. Lynette had given her a card, so she's looking at the card. She wasn't ready to commit, so I said, let's go eat. And, um, she filled up half the table with the breakfast she ordered. She was quite hungry after her fast. And we talked and the, I had texted one of our nurses who does the ultrasounds and she had agreed to meet us there. She had texted me and said, I'm here, I'm set up. So we left Sunnyside up and went to Thrive. And we did the routine, the pregnancy test, the ultrasound. And she told me during the spiritual evaluation as the tears started coming, she goes, 
yes, ma'am. And we went through the whole presentation. She said, I know God. And I have been trying to convince him that this was okay. It was a, it was a really beautiful time because we got to pray and, and talk about that. Then when Rebecca took her back, we are like 99% sure we saw twins. And she asked us to stop. She was, she was just overwrought. Her 11-year-old daughter, who had asked her to have quintuplets or something huge for the last couple of months, had just in the last few days gone back to her and said, Mommy, I, I just want twins. I think we're supposed to have twins next. And so her daughter had spoken twins to her more than once or twice or three times. So when she saw the twins, it just blew her away. And she knew then that that abortion was off. She promised us that, that the abortion was off. And then as we continued to talk and pray, she also told me that this Sunday, today, at her church, they were having a baby dedication service and she was gonna be dedicating her 10-month-old son. So we got to stop and pray again that God had intervened. Imagine that mother's heart at a dedication service dedicating your 10-month-old after you had just left the abortion clinic. So you see how, I mean, why does a girl come out of the abortion clinic? That's only God. That is, that is we believe, the answer to prayers, asking girls to come out. We pray that the Holy Spirit will move. And we've got more stories, but I'm not going to tell them right now. Thanks, Paula. Yeah, I feel like, you know, this uh, thorn between two roses, you know, I feel like uh, as I'm sharing my story, it's like uh, when you think about young men who are not living, yeah, <laughs> when you think about young men who are not living life with purpose, they, they are so very self-centered, okay? And uh, in fact, what we do is we take advantage of people, right? Uh, we want what's ours. We steal, we, it's just, it can become very ugly, uh, a world, and we see it in the newspaper all the time. There's a reason why 80% of the men incarcerated come from single-parent families, right? And so uh, I just, you know, people ask me all the time, Jay, we need an Excel for females, and I'm like thinking, okay, we need that. It's a very, uh, there's a whole nother aspect to the training, but I'm thinking, man, you know, a lot of the problems that our young women are facing are because of our, of our young men, you know? And we need to be very intentionally and aggressive about going after these young men. And we try to, in a sense, intercept them before they make major, uh, you know, uh, before they make bad decisions, you know, in life. And so a lot of people ask me, probably the number one question, Tom, is, is where do you find the young men? And I think the shortest answer is look around you. They're all over the place. Uh, companies all the time who need to hire young men for the trades are asking me, I mean, they're calling me every week. They're saying, Jay, we need welders, we need mechanics, we need tradesmen. And, uh, and, and I think about uh, when you look around you, I mean, they're in the public schools. And we set up our secular charity so that we can move into the public schools. A lot of young men that are flunking out of schools, the schools are calling us and saying, Jay, can we move them into Excel? And we're saying, we'd be happy to take them because nobody else is going to take them. And so uh, when you think about the schools, think about private schools too. There's young men at the private schools that are, they've got tough family situations, right? Other organizations that we're partnered with, a lot of organizations that are out here in front of the church today, we're partnered with, right? Uh, individual family members, you know, you'll have somebody, a young man in your family that needs to 
to get going, right? They're playing video games all day and they need to get to work. We specialize in the trades. We have a welding competition coming up this weekend. We do things just a little differently at Excel, right? We're trying to expose young men to the trades, welders, carpenters, mechanics, CDL drivers, uh, logistics. And uh, we know that your company needs them. You need to hire them right now, right? Last week, I had five welding companies call me and say, Jay, we need welders. And so, uh, you know, think about how there's young men all over the place. And one thing you can do is just keep your eyes and ears open and say, hey, look, Excel's out there, and they want to make a difference. They want to make an impact in the lives of these young men. And so you can send them my way. We'd be happy to take them. And so, uh, you know, just as you're, you know, out here milling around, just know, I mean, we've got an app, Excel Mentoring app. You know, you can check in with that, become a mentor. We ask our mentors to give one hour a month. And we know that uh, you're serving at your church one hour a week, and you're busting your tail at work throughout the week, and you're engaged with your children. But uh, we're asking men of faith, men that uh, love their families and work hard to invest in the lives of these young men to find success in their dreams. Well, like I said before, I, I feel success is that we have been able to um, have the doors remain open to all the clubs every Thursday night. And, you know, last year, got an email in the middle of the night from one of our girls that we met the night before. And she said, Jesus came to me in a dream. And he said that I was supposed to hang up my stilettos and the Sunshine Girls were going to be my way out. And my response was, Ugh. Oh gosh, okay, this is gonna be all you God because I don't have all the resources. So she did, she quit dancing and she was sleeping at Planet Fitness. Um, she was sat in the parking lot till two o'clock in the morning and the manager let her sleep on one of the tanning beds from two until five. So she was homeless and we were able to um, let CBC know about it and they sent out a blast to all the community group looking for a place um, for her to stay, and we had several families step up and say, we can take her, which is huge. That's huge, to let somebody come into your home that you don't know anything about. Um, because when you dance, you strip away a lot of respect. And, um, but that wasn't how God wanted it to play out. We were able to purchase her a very used Volvo station wagon, so she slept in her station wagon for a few months, and then we were able to get her an apartment, and she now has um, regained custody of her three children and is now a realtor, and she's living in Atlanta. Um, and a few months ago, we threw a birthday party in one of the clubs, and the girl, as we sang happy birthday to her, just broke down and sobbed. And, and when I say she sobbed, she sobbed, and she said, my mama owns a church which I thought was interesting that her mama owns a church. But she said, I can't wait to call my mom and tell her that Jesus sent you because she's on her face every night praying for me. And, and God sent you guys here to pray with me tonight. So, um, you know, if you think that you're not equipped to do an out-of-the-box ministry, you are. You don't have to know the Bible from front to back. You just need to be able to share your story because we all have one. And you just have to be able to share with people how you were before you met Jesus, how he completely radically changed your life and how your life is now because we have all made a mess of our life and Jesus can change every single one of us. And that's why we go just to encourage the girls and let them know that somebody believes in them and someone sees them. Yeah.
Well, thank you all. Yeah. Um, so as we call, I'll share, share with some of the ones that are outside. Uh, but you heard, I know with Heidi, there's a specific need for men to be outside as drivers, prayer warriors. Um, Jay, you've heard a little bit about. Um, quickly share with Thrive to specific needs. I know we've got medical professionals here. We've got people yes, who can pray. Yes, and, and so many of you have tagged in with us, and we're thrilled. We would love, I think Tristan Sevdi would love to have an MD um, that could be uh, tagged as his backup when he's traveling or out of town. We need nurses. Um, we need nurse practitioners, sonographers. Um, any of you in the medical field, please talk to us. Our mobile van is rolling in this week. If you'll pray for us, that's really what we need, first of all, I should say, prayer warriors. But um, we, we do have a mobile unit that is due to arrive very shortly. So we need a whole staff on that. And men, um, we would love for you to come and serve as drivers on the mobile because often when a girl is there, she'll have a boyfriend with her. So it really gives you an opportunity while she's with the nurse to have a moment and a conversation with a young man to see where he is spiritually. Um, Thursday, this Thursday night at seven, we have uh, an event that we've called Roaring in Praise. Last year it was Roaring in Power as Thrive hit town. And now the praise going up for what the Lord has done this year and is doing in, in the process of doing. So we've invited Lieutenant Colonel Alan West to be our keynote speaker. And um, Pastor Kenny Grant is our host pastor over at Calvary Baptist Temple right up the street on Waters. And it is really going to be a night um, to hear some important, timely information about what's going on in our world and how, you know, the stand on life ties in to all the frontline news you're reading about. So we would love to see at our table to sign up and Thursday night at 7. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Oh. Thank you, Jay. And thank you, Heidi, um, for sharing. Um, And I just have a few moments left. I want to run through the other ministries that are out there. But I also want you to think, too, because I know we've got lunch plans. We've got things to get out to. Yeah, but when you stop and think about these stories that you hear and your story of your life and how God worked and moved and changed in you, you should just sit back in awe and see what God is doing. And so I want to introduce you to our other partners uh, quickly. I would challenge you when you leave here, um, don't rush out. See how many you can talk to. Even if you can just pray with them, find out how you can pray for them, find ways you can use your gift that God has given you to be involved. Um, as an individual, as a family, or as a community group, plug in. And so we have 13 different partners here today that I'll introduce you to quickly, and you'll see some slides uh, on the screen here behind me. The first one is Cadence. So we have a huge military presence in this town, um, and God bless them for that. But that's a challenging point of life, but it's also a great opportunity as they come and go here and around the globe. Uh, so Bob and Annie Miller pour in and proclaim Christ and disciple our servicemen and women. A Dream Campaign, many of you know, is one of our closest partners that we're now partnered with after school with CBC Neighbors. Glenn and Morgan Paddock are out there and want to share with you more of the stories that they've seen of life change and ways you can plug in there. His Love Ministries, uh, it reaches out to the forgotten in nursing homes, in 
transitional shelters and prisons and jails. And as somebody who spent several years teaching at YDC, if you, have, if you have a heart to teach the word, there's no better place to jump in there. When people are in closed places like that, they have open hearts for the gospel. Uh, Hope Academy with Brian and Heather Flood and Cecilia uh, is out there. Hope Academy is building uh, through gospel relationships with immigrant and refugee families and women through English language classes is introduced in the gospel and building a relationship ultimately with a heart to plant churches. So you'll find them out there to plug in with. We've heard a lot about life and just who we are as image bearers of God. And so the Living Vine is a Christian, Christian maternity home that we've partnered with for many years that supports uh, young mothers and, and mothers-to-be. Similarly, uh, Molly's Bridge, uh, Tim Fall is out there, and they provide housing and support uh, to mothers who want to provide a healthy, stable, Christ-centered home. And Savannah Care Center, who is literally across the street on 34th Street on the front lines of this fight for life in our country. Uh, so Savannah Care Center with George and Claudia Day are here outside as well. And you've had a chance to hear from Heidi and the Sunshine Girls, and they're bringing light into a dark place, and Paula with Thrive and Jay with Excel. Uh, we also have Young Life outside, and Young Life holds a pl special place in my heart as they work with students and adolescents to introduce Jesus Christ. My wife and I both heard and responded to the gospel and the saving grace of Jesus through high school campus ministries. And for many of us, my kids aren't there yet, but they will be quicker than I realize, everybody keeps telling me. For many of our young people, this is the last chance we have to directly speak into their lives before our adult heart and, and proclaim the gospel and disciple them. So Bess and Shannon are there. And lastly, I want to share two opportunities. One with CBC, um, CBC Neighbors. So you know about our work with after-school students and with families in the neighborhood, but we've met with the city, and there's a very real tangible need for housing repair in this neighborhood and in this city, and in, in storm-damaged areas as well. So if you're somebody who just has tools, a company that has people that know how to use tools, or even a willingness just to come alongside, paint a house, fix a roof, build a wheelchair ramp, um, I'll have a sign up outside just to start gathering names of folks who want to really put their hands to work. And last with CBC Missions, we're excited about what God's doing here in this city, but we want you to go be the church globally too. So we're really praying over what God's going to do in 2019. If you're interested in short-term trips, whether you're a student, a family, medical, uh, professional, or student, we're looking at opportunities to use those gifts as well. So Christina Davis will be outside to sign up with those as well. All that to say, I know there's a lot of stories and a lot of ministries out there. And you've heard from some of our partners, you heard from Bill and the word calling us to be salt and light. It's not just calling us, if you are in Christ, you are the salt of the earth. And our desire is that gospel transformation would take place and that hope would be seen. But I want you to just pause for a moment as we move to worship. Think about this reality and pause for a moment and think that the Redeemer God of the universe who calls us into relationship with him, who gives us life, who poured out his son for our atonement, who pours his spirit over us as his people. Like, how amazing is that, that that God who doesn't need us, yet loves us and calls us to be a part of his amazing grace and his redemption in this world. Praise be to God. Amen.
So let's worship him for the God of glory who redeems us for his purposes. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you and praise you for today. For the opportunity, Lord, just to take a few moments and celebrate who you are and what you're doing. Lord, through your spirit, through your people, through these amazing partners in the local church. And so, Father God, I thank you and praise you for that. I pray, Lord, that we would just bow down and fall on our knees before you, God. That you have redeemed us, that you have called us into your purpose. Lord, you have saved us from our own brokenness, but even greater, you have called us for something. To be about your work, Lord. To bring your gospel, your hope, your glory to a dead and dying world, Lord. So, Father, help us just to worship you in this moment. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.